foot. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, you got skills, son. <laughs> oh, what about that? Send him off. Send the dressing gates off. Good evening all and welcome to the Headbin, the NRL Supercoach Draft Podcast. I'm Dusty, with me tonight I've got Azza and Lukey. How are you boys? Good mate, good. Well thank you. Nice one, nice one. And we have a very special guest on tonight. John Don! He's got a touch of magic! I've run out of things to say about it, Don. You guys know him as the NRL Don, the Draft Don, Donny. we know him as Tommy. How are you, brother? Yeah, I'm good. I don't know about <laughs> special. Uh, I'm definitely here, though. I'm definitely here. I, I can dribble with the best of them, so that's what I'll be doing. Bit of dribble, bit of waffle. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Well, th- tonight's episode isn't positionally based or anything like that, so there's a bit of, bit of room in it for a bit of waffle, and and uh, we do a bit of that on a weekly basis, mate, so you'll fit right in. So. Love it, love it. Yeah, nice one. Brother, you're a busy man, hey. I'm trying. In a, in a little bit of everything, aren't I? Jesus. I haven't seen my missus in about two months. <laughs> We've got a contract. I watch three episodes of Maths a week and then she leaves me alone. It'll, it'll come in handy coming into uh, Thursdays to Sundays. I'll be off limits pretty soon. So I think it's a pretty good situation we got going on. I, I tried to bank brownie points in the off-season. I, <laughs> I hope I've done enough. Oh, Mate, I saw you. Um, I saw you on the Cl- on Clarky's page the other day, having a bit of a chat to the old boy. Mm. Mate, do I have to take a couple of extra overtime shifts at work to pay for your appearance tonight? Is that where? <laughs> is that what we're looking at names? Hey, I mean, no, we're looking at you know, you know draft on. Yeah, is, is I'm finally starting to get um, people people calling me out, people ang- like saying like some negative stuff towards me. I'm like, well, at least you're saying Ooh, something, some I guess. Like you know, I mean, yep. you, you got to be doing something right if something doesn't someone doesn't like it, right? So but that was on Clarky's page. As he, he chucked me in front of a few people, and a few people were like, no. <laughs> so I mean, what are you gonna do? Can't keep them all happy. Some people don't agree with Will Kennedy winning the Dally M this year. I guess that's just <laughs> more controversial. Ninety-nine point. <laughs> 9% of people. <laughs> hey, hey, have you, well, uh, I, I heard your argument, mate, and uh, yeah, it's 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 convincing, well, but... Uh, we'll get yeah. to it later. I, I've got to dust that old one out and I'll, I'll let everyone know my feelings about it in a little bit. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Well, the content you're putting out is uh, elite, mate, and it's and it's good to see somebody else kind of jump in and, and um, you know, fly the flag for draft and, and especially, look, this time of the year... Uh, you know, draft heads are uh, thirstier than a, a, a single bloke on a, on a boys' weekend away, mate. Like, just everyone's looking for content. We were talking about it before the other boys got on air, and it's just, uh, you know, there's so much innuendo, there's so much up in the air, and people just yeah. want to be a part of it. They just want to lap yeah. it up. So, you know, it's good to have somebody else out there kind of flying the flag for the draft piece. I mean, Classic is as big as ever, and I think Draft is too. So It's getting there, it, right? it's, it's growing, man. It, it's it's definitely growing. So it's good that they made a couple of changes this year to the to the draft app. But I think you know it, we could still get to a better place. Yeah. Um, but with everybody doing as much as they possibly can in the draft space, I think that that's only going to uh, be a matter of time. 
Yeah, and the, and the amount of people messaging me saying, oh, it's my first year playing draft, I play Classic forever, what should I do? And I just go, well, go, go check out the Headbin boys, go check out the Rubbers, go check out these blokes, because they're like well on top of it. But it's cool seeing all these people saying, I've played Classic for so long, but I, I think I'm going to play Draft now. I'm like, yeah, I think once you go Draft, it's hard to go back to Classic. Not not yeah. any knock on Classic. I play Classic every year, obviously, but... um. Ah uh, no, nah, draft draft is just uh, when you get a good when you got a good group of boys together, it's just fucking nothing really tops it. And and I oh. think that's the thing that holds people back from draft is mm. getting a comp together, getting eight to ten to twelve people who all yeah. want to do it, who all want to participate. Whereas with classic, you can just and you can can with draft as well. They they put you in comps, but yeah, it's, it's a different feeling. You, it, there, there's an attachment to that side that you draft. Mm. It, it be, you you actually start to really uh, you sort of adhere yourself to players who you may not have in the past. You know, like mm. and and I think that's why you need those friend that that sort of tight circle to build your league around because it, it enhances the experience and you just don't get that from classic but it's also the stumbling block to getting a lot of people over to draft as well yeah definitely but then you just like watching losers like dusty lose and never win a comp <laughs> i know that's well that's part of the experience man like it's you know so okay. <laughs> okay, so I reckon how many how many people you reckon uh, are playing draft on the Supercoach app at the moment? Uh, probably sixty thousand. I reckon fifty, sixty thousand. I reckon. Well, it was. Yeah. I think it was thirty thousand last year. I, I, I think. Okay. Going into the start of last season, it was thirty thousand. I, I remember reading a stat. So you, okay. I, I reckon probably forty thousand. All reckon. right, let's say forty thousand. Yep. Okay, how many of those people do you reckon have won a comp? Oh, a proper comp. 39,999. It's just you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the We're voice of the... Nah. We're all I'm, I'm the fucking. I'm the fucking voice of the common man. People need to hear this. <laughs> no, I know you, you can, feel. Mine are you, three years in a row now. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. There you go. Breaking. Yeah, it does still even make the final, mate. <laughs> <laughs> A prelim, D-Lane? A prelim? Or, <laughs> mate, if if we if you blokes didn't lay into me each week, we wouldn't have a show to do. So you got to be thankful that I'm fucking here, right? <laughs> nah, up, it's all good, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, someone's got to edit the thing. That's the only real reason I'm here. But uh, look, lads, we could uh, we could waffle on all night, but um, I think we'll uh, we'll jump into a, to a cold tin now um, and jump into our craft and draft. Drinking and drafting and you. I'm day drunk. Get ready to see my dick. Lads, I think this one should be for Johnny Raper too, obviously. he, uh, The great man passed on this morning. So, uh, yeah, let's crack one for him. So... Earlier on this week, we uh, we decided that we were going to have... Uh, we are going to get stuck into some uh, to some Revel uh, mm. brews. And Revel's just over at Belimba in, uh, up here in Brisbane. So we're just kind of focusing on some of the local Brizzy breweries to get stuck into. Tommy, I know you don't mind your Revel either, mate. You're a big fan of the uh, the Raspberry Sour, aren't you, mate? Yeah, the strawberries and cream. Bloody brilliant. Oh, yeah. Here's boys, get amongst it. I, I'm spewing. I, I, I had to go to the bottle o. Everything was rushed. You're going to hate me. I'm sitting here in front of a bloody Great Northern. I don't know what's wrong with me. I had nothing in the fridge. Thought I had some Revel somewhere. I thought I had some strawberries and cream left over. I was like, I'm sorted. It'll be easy. How much get notice home. we get this, Blake? I know. Too much notice for me to be this piss poor. But yeah, there it is. I'm staring at it right now. Great Northern. A really... Uh, not not many people heard of this strip. Uh, 
<laughs> What's it doing in your fridge? For the starters. Uh, man, that's all right. I'm in South Australia. I, I went into a Dan Murphy's today, and I said, "Bro, have you got any Revel?" And the dude just looked at me like, "What Revel?" And I'm like, "No Revel, R E V E L." And he looked on his little keypad, and it was like nothing. <laughs> and I'm just like. Nah, okay, man. I found some garage project there, which is pretty good drop. So I'm on that tonight. But uh, Azza and Lukey, you've uh, you've stuck to task here. So what if uh, what you've gone with? Azza, you you bought just about every beer in the fucking range, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I doubled up on what Lukey had, and then <laughs> I went and added my own stuff. So I've uh, st- started on an XPA, the Revel XPA, um, 4.7 percent. Really fruity, easy to get down. You could easily sesh on this thing. Um, and I've got a Pavlova Sour ready to go Ooh. for the second half of this one. Pavlova Sour? I think Pavlova that's what they... Sour. Revel Revel do sours yeah. really good. Yeah. They, they do really, really well. What was it? Was it the raspberry and lemonade one? that oh, oh, We got there at the, the, on the day when we went to that... Um, um, it was I'm a sure macadamia. Was a, there's a macadamia, um, a mango macadamia one, which is fucking splendid. Yeah. And then, but there was another one. It was like a they strawberry just and out, lemon. Hey. Yeah. yeah. There was a strawberry and lemon one, which is I've only ever seen it on the tap there, and it was fucking phenomenal. Like um, a slushy. Oh, sensational. Plus, it was our, ever, f- our third brewery, so we're pretty well oh, full. Yeah. <laughs> slushy ourselves. <laughs> All right, nice one, lads. As normal, we can fucking dribble about craft beer forever, but we're here to do a Supercoach potty. And so what we'll do first is we'll jump into a bit of Supercoach news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Jesus, man, you read the news? If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. So, lads, I'm just going to chuck a few things out there. Um, jump in if you feel like you want to have a chat about some of this stuff because it is all relevant to Supercoach. The first thing I want to kind of talk to um, is a bit of Reese Walsh news that kind of popped up a few days ago. Uh, he's a bit restless at the old Warriors after only being there for probably not even 12 months, to be fair. Um, and looking at a return home. Now, given that... it seems to have been a bit of a hostile exit from the Broncos. He could end up at the Dolphins here. What's your thoughts on the whole uh, Reese Walsh situation, lads? If, well, he's, he's obviously someone who's pretty restless. Um, and, and, you know, do we, that's probably some baggage that he's going to carry for the rest of his career, I reckon. But I, I get mean, some real Ben Barber vibes from Reese Walsh. Mm, yeah. You know, that, like that, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I saw a, um, someone tweet during the week that if he had just been patient, he would have been the Broncos' fullback by round ten, and then they wouldn't even be he wouldn't even be in this situation. And you go, it, it's so true. Like he just jump ships so early, and then all of a sudden, Azarko's gone, Tessie Newey's in there, and you know it would have been Reese Walsh because he would have been braining it for Norse during the year. Yeah, but so, as a young as yeah. a young kid. If, if you get the tap on the shoulder saying, hey, one of the best ones of the generations on the way out, you want to learn off him for eight months, you've probably got to take that shot, right? And also, by the way, we're training 15, 20 minutes down the road from where you're training right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, he can't be homesick. 
No, well, that's the thing. When he, if he goes back, but I, I thought I saw Bennett come out to Sabo and say, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't really mentioned him. I reckon that's a crock. There's no way that he's starting up a bloody new franchise that a young guy like Reese Walsh uh, has never been mentioned in any boardroom. I think that's a bit hard to believe, but um, I. I think uh, it might be a bit of a thing with a few of these Warriors boys because a lot of people feel like, I feel like they've signed on with the Warriors and then when they find out, oh, we're going to go overseas in a minute, I reckon a few <laughs> blokes might get homesick, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, the, if the Dolphins talk about Ponga is well and truly done, like if his sign's still delivered, you can't see him going back to the Broncos. But, I mean, it's Kevy's world and they'll probably chuck 1.2 at him to come back and that would be nuts eh? it would be nuts but that's i mean a chunk of change Kev, for, kevy ain't gonna be there next year man yeah that's probably Ooh, fair is that the hot is take it, didn't they only, they only signed him for two years last year and this year I, I, i'm pretty sure so yeah if, i if i, I can't though, imagine i can see him sticking around who else is available oh. christian wolf <laughs> yeah christian wolf i reckon is the next bloke Back yeah. in he he's actually he did his he was the Brisbane defensive coach for around 2010, 11, 12. Yeah. Okay. So and he's been he's been over in the Super League and he's won a couple comps with um uh is it Catlin who or St Helens? Whoever the team is that's been winning over there consecutively, <laughs> he he won the last two with them. It's either St Helens or Catlin. Pretty sure it's St. Helens, man. That's who uh, Naguama played for, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So, they're done. All right, moving on, lads. So, South's back line. So, there was a bit of uh, noise on South socials during the week, and they threw up a quick little story. Didn't last too long, obviously. And it had a picture of uh, AJ, so Johnson, with Campbell Graham, with Paulo, with the source saying, backline brothers. Right, um, it was only a story, so I think the um, the noise around Campbell Graham uh, being on the left side is starting to firm, and with that, so am I. Yep, it'd be so hard for that. Like the Rabbits have to rely on that left hand side this year, and there's just no way they're going to put someone other than Campbell Graham there. And if it's Jackson Paulo going into the centres, then there's no way that he's going outside of Walker. Wacko Jack, Jacko with the moonwalking try on Manly last year. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if if you get a whiff of that before you start drafting and think and stuff like that, that Graham is your left centre, he oh, he goes a couple of I, rounds I think, early than you should. I you think Sauce. Him. I think Sauce being firming for the wing spot is equally as tasty like I mean he's not gonna it'll be right wing but yeah doesn't matter like just the starting spot you know but you know with the sauce that the there's two things one as soon as they start putting up bombs he's gonna be in Reggie's the week the next week (laughs) (laughs) but if they're too stupid to put up bombs he's getting through a fuckload of work so you're not going to get that 17 game out of source, you know, like you do some wingers like Jason Saab. I'm not saying you take him anywhere near where you take Campbell Graham. Jeez, His ceiling. He went like fifth round last year, a source. Some people yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, he went high in hours. But 
Yeah, I think he did too. I, I think though he's someone that you can take. He can take you can take him sort of you know 12, 13, 14, 15 and onwards. I think and and have confidence in that pick. That's a good pick at that that point. I think. Mm. All right, moving on, and this is a big one. Tommy, you and I were discussing this before we jumped on air, but just recently, uh, well, earlier on today, um, Josh Schuster uh, is looks like he's ha- uh, had a syndesmosis injury and will be out for potentially the first six weeks. Now, a lot of a lot of time, yeah, like if you can get surgery done quite quickly, a lot of the time these days, recovery time is about six weeks. So he may only miss, say, three to four of the season. Uh, that's probably best case scenario, to be fair. Uh, but he has had some lower limb injuries in the past. What does that do to his recovery time? I don't know, but it's a bit of a shame. This guy was a projected, you know, uh, first five rounds pick mm. uh, this year. Very handy um, in, in the dual uh, five eight and second row positions, so it leaves a few things up in the air. But Tommy, what do you make of it, mate? Yeah, listen, I think um, I think we're getting a bit of discount. I, I'm not worried about the injury. I think a lot of people will be, and now you can just pick him up a few rounds later than he was. I think um, if you're on it, I think it could be okay. Uh, it worries me a bit. Uh, uh, another thing that is good though someone like Andrew Davey becomes relevant now for the first couple of weeks remember he was had a little bit of buzz about him before he went down last year but I think yeah Joshy it's hard wasn't he rookie of the year at uh, Manly last year I'm pretty sure he came out the yeah. gates like firing hands are soft as silk um, and, he, and he can run run his ass off too I, I really like Josh Schuster but I honestly think the only takeaway is considering it's not a huge huge injury I think we're just going to get him at a discount if you're looking for him. I think it kind of almost blessing in disguise. Yeah, I think Maybe. he just goes a little bit later. Mm. But you're still going to get the same player. I mean, the first six rounds, if you pick up a win or two in draft, yeah, it's happy days, but your season's not over. So if you're banking, if you've got him on the reserves for a draft comp like ours where we've got an extra bench player... Um, I think stash him. I, I, yeah, I that's, that's not even a like a, a, a true stash, is it? It's, yeah. If, if like you're saying, he's only out for three weeks. Like, geez, I, I hold people if they get suspended for three weeks. So I'm not too phased about it, you know. What about these stats for a possible replacement for Schuster in the first month? So when he played in the back row for Manly last year, he was his five or five consecutive games: 89, 76, 49, 77. 46. Who am I talking about? You're going to say Davey, but surely not. No, I'm surely not. Surely that's Oliver Carter. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, Kepi? Nope. Mm. Oh, Kane Lawton? Carl Lawton. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's done it again. Yes. Be your day. <laughs> has he, has he, has he uh, kept his duel this year? Uh, I, I believe he has. I believe he has. has. Wasn't he dual hooker? Yeah, second row hooker. Woo. Hey, let, hey. On, let me have a look. I'll, I'll bring it up. He looks good at second row as well. Man, I'm telling you. I, I, yep, 100%. If he gets the gig, right, he's... he's. I'd, I'd be stashing him on my bench. If you draft Schuster, mm. I'd be grabbing mm, him handcuff. on my bench. Yep, 100%. And, and the thing is, was anyone planning to draft Shuey in second row? Oh. Yeah, I, I don't think... Not at this point. If I was going to draft him, I was going to draft him as a 5'8". In such a shallow pool of five eights, you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah, but that's I the think same that's, with yeah. with Lawton. Like 
you probably wouldn't draft him into the second row because, I mean, all those numbers you just put up are pretty impressive. But uh, as far as the hookers being as dry as they are, like, I don't know. Even for the first week, if, you, if you're the guy that picks up Harry, um, yeah, that, that's yep. not bad at all. All right, lads. Uh, that's the Supercoach news. The the relevant stuff this week, anyway. So let's move on. Uh, just quickly, Lukey, give me a brief update on the Listener League. We had it open for a couple of hours last week, and it filled up just like that. So good result for our first year on the Listener League. Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe closer to the season, we'll post up to see if we get enough interest. We might throw another one up just under the same framework. Um, with the you know the nine rounds, nine fixtures, two week finals, ten and eleven, that sort of thing. So yeah, see what happens there. But um, yeah, no, it'll be good to have a bit of a listener league. And I think um, this sort of throwing back to your point, um, Tommy, around the whole draft and people coming over from classic to draft. And I think content pages like ourselves and you know Rub Draftsman, all those guys having listener leagues is a great opportunity for blokes who might be in a shit league that are just sort of, you know, mm. grinding away in a crap league or can't get themselves in a league, um, you know, or bouncing around between leagues that are um, custom leagues on the app and stuff for them to jump into a real competitive league. So, yeah, um, we're looking forward to it. Hey, we're, we're taking it pretty serious and um, we've sort of, you know, said to Dusty that if he doesn't win it, he's shitter than we thought. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're, re- we're re- ready to have a real crack, especially under the, f- the framework we've set up with the rules and stuff. So, um, look, if people can keep creating listener leagues, um, yeah, I think it's only beneficial for the culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It'll be a- an interesting concept. Um, obviously, it'll be done and dusted by by round twelve, as we as we discussed. So, bit of an express experiment, but um, man, everyone in there is so pumped for it. Uh, awesome really keen to, to get around it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like we said, we might uh, we might have to. There was a couple of blokes who missed out, so we might have to go and put it put it back up there and see if we can get another one generated and uh, go from there. But um, yeah, very good, very positive. So. All right, all right, lads. So uh, the uh, the theme for tonight's episode, uh, as I said um, early on, we we aren't uh, we going moving away from our, our positional ranks this week just to try something else a little bit different. And I had a bit of a think about it, and Tommy, uh, listening to your top forty a few weeks ago, or maybe even months ago now, um, right, you, wasn't it? Yeah, well, no, it was good though. It was good because it gave me this idea that. There's a lot of blokes in this year's draft class that are, are fresh-faced, they're new, where are they going to land? Yep. It's so up in the air. And there's also a lot of older heads that still hold a lot of value that I think people are going to overlook for some of the newer guys, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I thought, you being the young whippersnapper that you are, making some <laughs> big moves in the draft world as you are, let's do an old school versus new school comparison here, right? And this is not necessarily a debate as such as take this guy here instead of this guy but it's more of us just kind of laying it out going hey there's a fair bit of value in these guys and it's more Mm. of a positive take on all these players right so there's going to be the negatives uh, and you know there's plenty of press out there about some of the negatives but we want to focus on some of the positives and why you should uh, look at some of these guys 
obviously the new school, you're going to look at some of the, the players who are, are really high this draft, are peaking or have just kind of come into consideration. Uh, and uh, the head bin lads and Luke Inazza, they're going to talk to some of the, uh, the older players who might have a resurgence or still hold a fair bit of value and shouldn't be overlooked. Old school and we have new school. Not a new school versus old school. I'm killing it! The old to the new, the new to the old. So lads, let's jump into old school versus new school. So the way we're going to run it is just two or three minutes on each player. I want feels, I want facts, I want flat out fucked up hot takes. I want <laughs> as much shit that you can just chuck at it yeah, right. and, and we'll go from there. So, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of stats and stuff. Throw them in there, but I just want to hear why some of these players... And look, there's been a lot of social media on a couple of these guys over the last, you know, few days, few weeks. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what kind of arguments you guys come up with. So we're going to kick it off with Colo versus Lolo. So Colomatungi versus Taumalolo. Right, so two kind of middle forwards. Um, we all know that everyone's pretty low on Taumalolo. Colin Matangi had a career year last year, looked fantastic. So Colin Matangi being the new school, Lolo being the old school. Tommy, you're going to kick us off, mate. So go right, nuts. So when you gave me Colo, I was kind of like, what do I do with this fella? And Because I just, I hadn't really, really looked into him. This guy's a bit of a beast, isn't he? He got a little bit going about it. So last year, he his minutes jumped from 35 up to 73. 47 base, which is nice. He's still like, he's not a punt, but like he's not like a nailed on fourth, fifth rounder, really. Because they've got a few other second rowers there. I want to see how it all comes together under a new coach and everything. But I think, like, you know, they brought in guys like Havili. What's Dry Arrow going to do this year? There's a few things. But he has signed a contract until 24. So it should be a pretty much locked-in thing. I think the big talking point with Colo is, like, Colo versus Lolo. Even though everyone's down on Lolo, he's still a name brand. I still think, in some leagues, there will be people who drafted Lolo in the top 10 two years ago looking to pick him up early. Uh, so this is more of a PSA than anything. It, not even just all about Colo, but they take a bit of a step back and think, is there other people out there? I mean, you said you kind of dampened my uh, my argument a bit, saying we're all low on Lolo. I was hoping some people would still be high <laughs> on him as a Cowboys fan anyway. But um, So my, it's always rose-tinted glasses. But I think Colo, I think I'm excited to see him play this year. Um, the, I got hotter takes about the blokes that I'm more familiar with. But uh, Colo, it's more of a fact of the matter. I'd take him later than where I think Lolo's going to go. Yeah, fair call. I had Colo last year. Fantastic. Uh, Bennett played him through the middle a little bit uh, to spell Murray, but he also uh, spent a fair bit of time on the edge. And you're right, Jacob Host will be somewhere in that mix, you think. So, you know, what does that do to his minutes? But I'm pretty high on Colin Matangi. Lukey, so you're going to uh, jump in the ring for Jason Taumalolo. Good luck, brother. <laughs> yeah, I handed this one. So this is the bloke that's getting paid a million dollars to play 40 minutes a game. It just, yeah. Look, um, all jokes aside, I think last year was an outlier. Um, he, he's been under the pump a bit lately. Um, if you've seen the press release 
from today, earlier today or yesterday, I think it was, uh, about five reporters just teed off what on him. What a G up. It, it was just disgraceful. Oh, it was disgusting. Him. Like, fucking who cares? Like, and they're like, oh, it'll come out He the needs wash. to answer this stuff. And uh, Who gives a fuck? No, no, he doesn't. Yeah. Um, as any person who fronts up to media doesn't have to answer any question that you throw at them. Um, but look, whether he's got an exemption because he just got it or whether he got the vaccination and doesn't want to say anything because of his heritage and that, who gives a fuck? The fact is the bloke's going to be playing, right? And if it gets to a point in six months' time when that exemption for having COVID ha- happens to rear its head, but then it fucking gets dealt with now. Like, honestly, the bloke has kept his name out of the mud for his whole career. He's been an for ambassador long? for this game and Tonga. How good's he been for the emergence of Tonga and that? And these fucking piece of shit, dog shit fucking reporters <laughs> decided to fucking tee off on him just to try and fucking make themselves big note him. And then you've got blokes that are rubbishing the fact that the media guy stepped in for him. That's a media guy's job. Yeah. And it's not up to the player necessarily to have to tell a reporter to fuck off. There are some that do it, and all power to them, but Taumalolo's not that dude. I think that this has all just put this massive chip on the shoulder, and I reckon that you see a Taumalolo this year that's a throwback to peak Taumalolo years. When you look at his stats, 0.94 PPM last year, that was a a down 0.2 on the year before, but he still played 59 minutes a game. The prior year was 61 than 64 so he's he's only realistically about five minutes lower so yeah there was some shit going on last year him and Todd Payton were sorting, sorting each other out feeling each other out he's got a chip on his shoulder he's under the pump if he's gonna ever return to the Taumalolo of old it's gonna be this year so this is the year to take a punt on him I reckon anyway Yes, very nice. I I, I, I kind of do agree there. I think it's a it's a put up or shut up year for for Tao Malolo and um, hopefully him and Toddy Payton sort out their shit and uh, you know he can go back to being the leader of the Cowboys that we know he is. Mm. Very good. Hopefully All right, moving the on. Broken hands to less than two this year. <laughs> <laughs> that would help things get along it very nicely. <laughs> He was punching the wall next to yeah. Todd Payton's head twice <laughs> <laughs> just to stop himself going to jail. For I thought it was his, the car windows, mate. He was just... Probably, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy. That's it. All right, moving on, lads. So next one, a couple of halves here. Uh, and this is Toby Sexton for the new school and Luke Keary for the old school. Now, the reason I threw these two in was because in the space of one tweet about each... They've gone from extremely hot to extremely cold. And just to clarify that, so for those out there who didn't see it last week, there was a page who put up um, a bit of a stat around uh, the halves that contributed or assisted on Dave Fafita's tries last year. So he scored 17. Six of those were not assisted on. Um, I think, uh, and then so David Peachy, uh, sorry, not David Peachy, uh, Tyron Peachy had seven assists and then... Sexton, Fogarty, and Taylor combined for four. And then everyone's just gone cold on Toby Sexton. Like, oh, no, whatever, whatever. So I thought this will be interesting. Chuck him up there. And Luke Keary. I noticed there's a couple of uh, couple of pages have gone a bit cold on Luke Keary this year as well for certain reasons. So, Lukey, uh, sorry, no, As, we might start with you this time. And uh, you're flying the flag for Luke Keary. So, 
jump on in, mate. 30-year-old Luke Keery. I didn't realise he was 30 yet, but uh, found that out today. Anyway, three-time Premiership player Luke Keery, Clive Churchill medal winner. Um, this bloke, there's all talk, oh, the halves are a bit the same now and there's everyone's back and they've got a gun team and they're going to take points off each other. He was scoring points when he was playing with Teddy and Radley and Cronk and Trell and all that sort of stuff. So that stuff comes natural to him. Um, he had a bit of a rough um, couple of years. I mean, he's, he's injured his jaw. He's broken his jaw and he did his ACL last year. But I think, I mean, he's had a long recovery. He's ready to go. I reckon you lock in Luke Curie. He's easily a 60 average player. Um but he's going to, he's like, he has his small games in him, but he goes over 70 odd, probably six, seven times a year. Um, he's dual 5'8 halfback. I don't think you can go wrong with Luke Keary this year with a massive preseason and with the Roosters being a top two side. Let me read out the Roosters' first 10 games, and this is why. I just want a rooster in my team. I don't yep. care who it is. I just want a rooster in my team. This is their first 10 games. Knights. And I'm not giving it. It doesn't matter whether they're home or away or not. It doesn't matter. Knights into Manly, into South, into North Queensland, into the Broncos, New Zealand, St. George, Bulldogs, Gold Coast, Parramatta. Fuck me. Load up. Load up on roosters this year. 100%. Uncle, Uncle Nick's been busy in the NRL offices this preseason, <laughs> hasn't he? Fucking yes. <laughs> How do you get a, a start of a draw that easy when you, uh, you're you a top four team last year? It's ridiculous. Oh, 100%. And f- listen to this for their finals draw. So if you're doing 21 to 24, Broncos, North Queensland, West Tigers, and look, Melbourne in the grandy, but those first three rounds. Oh, jeez. If, if you've got any doubts about Kiri as an individual, the fact that they are going to just take teams to task in those first 10 rounds should be enough fodder to maybe back, your, back yourself in drafting him. Where you take him, yeah, it's a bit up for debate, but I think you've got to get Roosters in your team this he's year. He's still, I mean, you could you could reach for him in round two. He's still around a 30-ish pick. Um, I, you can't go wrong. I don't, if you took him around 24, 25, I don't think you're getting a bad 5'8", definitely. You probably don't pick him at half-back, but um, yeah. You pair him up with a Reynolds or a Moses, or if you took Hughes um, early in the round, jeez, come on. <laughs> Frost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Tommy, our boy, sexy time. <laughs> oh, well, 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 well. Being sexy before... I get onto the second coming of Christ. I actually have my own little <laughs> spiel about Mr. Luke Keary. Let's. I know we're talking Here about. Here we go. Bigging up players. Are you? I've been saying this for a while. Here we go. Last year, Luke Keary, 46 overall player, seventh overall 5'8 taken off the board, sixth overall halfback taken off the board, 
What's changed in between is three games and an ACL injury. He scored <laughs> 70 against Manly on a day that Teddy scored 150. Scored 123 against the Tigers side, who conceded the second most points in the league. And then a 33 when he had to play South. And people say, isn't that when he went down? He went down in the 75th minute. This is a guy who's averaged 50 to 60 points every year before last year. And everyone wants to say that he's not up there because of that 75 average, which has to be jaded. But he just is. You see it, and it gets you excited. Even on my list, I jumped him up, and then I had another look, and I'm like, I can't do it to myself, I don't think. Talking small sample sizes, King Sexy played four games, and everyone bangs on about the game that he only scored a 32. Do you know who that was against? It was against the Bunnies. Yeah. It was yeah. against the Bunnies. So now we have a guy who scores 32 <laughs> against the Bunnies and does his ACL getting drafted. What do we call it? Four rounds above sexy? Does sexy get drafted in every single league? Small sample Surely. size. Small sample size. Small sample size. QRL last year, 21 tackles a game. Called him up to the NRL. Went to 23 tackles a game. Tackles aren't everything. It's still a relatively small base, if you want to call it a base. But last year, Cleary, 18 tackles a game. Hughes, 18 tackles a game. Sammy Walker, 14 tackles a game. I'm not saying that Sexy's a tackle machine. I'm saying that that's a bit of a barometer for how involved you're going to get, how dirty you want to make yourself. In Tweed last year, and I know Q Cup isn't the NRL, but he grabbed himself a try, assist, or goal roughly every 40 minutes. In the NRL, yes, he only played four games and he did go into his shell against the Bunnies. However, most teams went into their shell against the Bunnies last year. They were in the bloody grand final. I'm big on Sexy. I'm obviously big on Kiri. If you put them both in the same round, I'm going to take Luke Kiri. I'm not insane. But what I'm saying is I don't take Luke where he is valued. I will wait for someone like Sexy when I know that I can get similar, if not better value. Goal kicking for the Titans. No, they're not going to score a million tries, but he's goal kicking. It's just a shame he doesn't bloody assist day for feeder. I guess that's the only takeaway I have from that. Oh, he's got plenty (laughs) of time. But what what my takeaway from that is that not many people do assist day for feeder. That's what we were talking about last time. Most of his tries come 15 out. He's taken a hit up from nowhere. Or just got the ball from absolutely nothing and just bulldozed eight blokes. That's who he is. He's a bloody yeah. bumper car, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. The six, and of the six tries that Peachy assisted him, three were when he was playing 5'8". Yep. Which, right. which was a fact that was not told in that, that tweet that came out. So that's Sexton side anyway. Yep. So. Exactly. And the thing, if you... I was saying to Tommy earlier, I went back and watched the um, the highlights of the game against North Queensland that Sexton played. He he had some... He, he's, a, he's an old head uh, on young shoulders. He kicked this 40-20, this absolute booming 40-20, which just took balls of a five or six-year veteran, not a guy who's playing in his third game of NRL, you know, mm. just to take it on his... And, and that's what you're going to get with him. He's going to have the goal kicking. He's going to have the general play kicking. AJ Brimson can't kick... Mm. You know, so you're going to get forced dropouts. You're going to get 40-20s potentially. You know, you're going to get a guy who gets his hands on Try the ball. Assist. Exactly. Yep, 100%. So that being said, I think the fact that he's not on Fafita's side 
I don't think hurts him. I think no. Bo, Bo Firma runs a, just a pretty, pretty line. That's great for him. If he's going to be on Bo Firma's side, happy days. So, yeah, I, I agree. Luke, yeah, Pair 100%. Percent. Yep. Old wise head of Luke Keary, some upside of Sexton. Your halves are set. Yeah, Ooh, I like that. That might be might be juicy. And and, and to the to the Kiri point, I, I I agree. There's plenty of upside with Kiri, but not as a second round pick. Not even as an early no. third, if you ask me. I think Kiri's value is, as you said, as a probably round thirty. That, yeah, people are saying it's not that seventy five average, but I just don't don't know what else it could be. Like he was just not even considered last year. I think I was talking to uh, Supercoach three six five between last year and this year. He's played three games. His average has gone up. Last year, he was owned by about 12% of people in Classic. Now, he's a, he's about 20,000 more. His average has gone up, and he's owned by about 40% or something crazy like that. So, I mean, yeah. it's it's definitely Kiri mania right now, and it's that 75 average. It's just been juiced up by... I mean, round one last year. Remember watching Manly? It was insanity what was happening down there. Oh, gross. Um, so, and the fact that he didn't even get, like, he, he brained it. And um, it, it was a good score, but not what the rest of his team was doing. I'm pretty sure BMOS got himself a 150 that game too. So, um, yeah, if you draft him, there's no there's no massive argument. I'm not saying do not draft Luke Keery, but don't think you're going in there getting that 65, 70 average every week. It's You've got to temper your expectations, I think. Nice one, nice one. A couple of good arguments there for those two. Moving on to a couple of fullbacks. And uh, Tommy, you're going to be in your bag again for this one, brother. <laughs> Will Kennedy versus King Gutho. So we'll kick off with you, Tommy. Can't um, be in his know. pants, not, yeah, well, not the bag. <laughs> his pants are off. That's, uh, that's true. <laughs> that's future Dally M winner, Will Kennedy, to you. Thank you very much. Here it is. 2021. 14 tries, 14 assists, and I bet you didn't know about it. Uh, this kid gets spoken about negative, not even spoken about at all. I, I, Will Kennedy's just not in the mouths of people that don't play draft, I don't think. He's not an option in classic. I mean, just in general footy chat, people don't even consider him that highly. He finished on three Dally M points less than Teddy last year. He was ninth overall in Dally M points. I know that's not everything, but that's something. All up last year in games that he didn't score a try or assist, there was five of them. He just involved. There was that one game where he scored a four, um, and he yeah. played the 80 minutes. I was checking the whole time to see if it was a, 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 a scoring error. If yeah. you take that out of there, um, that, that's 65 points a game, I believe, jumps up to something like 67 if you take out that four. So he did average 65. I'm happy to call it 67 because that was just a, a, a random game. 0.83 ppm. Scores over 60, 67% of the time. And that gives him a coefficient variance of 42%. Uh, 20 is good. Um, it goes downwards like that. So 40 is in the realm. If we're going to talk about this other guy, if we're comparing him to Gutho, um, he's done better than him 2016, 17, 18, 29. Like last year, stats are better than Gutho. And 16, 17, 18, 19. Close as a bee's dick to 2020. Um, but I will concede Gutho has been a better option in 21 and 20. Um, however, that 60 over 60, um, Will's better than Gutho, and the coefficient variant Gutho's never had under 40. Um, I'll keep banging the drum. 
Um, Gutho's going to go minimum one round before Will. Minimum one round before Will. I think everyone concedes that Gutho isn't in that group. You know, those four horsemen. He's not yep. in there. Um, he's, he's, he's on the outside of the party looking in, um, wishing he could throw his keys in the bowl. No one's really interested. Um, <laughs> but Will is going to get drafted after him. And I think that you should not feel any more confident with Gutho in your side than Will Kennedy in your side. And that's where the value is for me. It's just being able to pick up a similar, similar dude later and finishing off a different position earlier. So I, I think that's it. that's the name of the game. If if these two guys, if neither of them fills you with an abundant small confidence, go with the cheaper one, I think anyway. That's Love Will right Kennedy there. this year. It's a gem yeah. right there. So... Yep, definitely. and no one's going to be talking about him. He's going to be, he's going to slip down draft boards, and he's a he's a guy when you get to get get to drinking. If you don't have a list, you're not going to be pulling that name out of your ass. I promise. Nah, that's it. And he's a great guy to target if you want to load up on your halves early and or, mm. or a hooker early. So if you want to go for if you want to be the cook owner and you want to be the Jerome Hughes owner, and then you're like, fuck, everyone else is drafting fullbacks. Target Will Kennedy late round four. You I'll know, someone this, like boys. that. You boys are going to hate this. You're going to hate me for this. But I feel as confident with Will Kennedy in number one as I do with Caelan Ponger in number one. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, yeah. I don't I think hate that at all. The same. I, think, I think they'll average around. Well, they did last year, really, anyway. But, yeah. I, man, Will Kennedy, if Will Kennedy escapes round three in your draft, they're, like, they're, surely someone in a 10-player draft takes Will Kennedy in round mm. three. Mm. Yes. So. Yeah. But I just think... Uh, people, I, I like him more than Dufty too. I think Dufty might go before Will in a lot of leagues, uh, just because he's just oh, more of a name. He's just yuck. more of a name. What leagues are they? <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> Trust me. You, you get in there. Dusty might and, win and those leagues. Stats, stats don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah, for some just, of these blokes, just DM me those leagues. <laughs> so if you can grab Will after Dufty, Will after Gutho, Will after KP, geez, that's money for jam. Sorry for pissing in your cornflakes about Gutho. Good luck, though. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Hard to take. But just on on Gutho, we say he try, like he's not in that top tier, but, I mean, his last two seasons have been top tier. Yeah, and, they have. Yeah. And he's he's got to be one of the most underrated fullback. I know we don't people don't talk about Will Kennedy, but he did have a – like, he had a really good year last year. Um, I don't know if he touches the pill as much as he did – Last year, especially with Nico Hines there, he's a bit more of a runner. Um, they might score a bit more points through the middle, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the last two years for Gutho, he's gone back to back 70 plus seasons. Last year, it was a 75 average. He hit five tons. He six times he went between 75 and 100. Um, he only had three games under 40. Zero games he didn't either score or create points for uh, the Eels. Um, and he's just under a point per minute. So um, he needs, well, Eels need consistency and they're going to need Gutho this year. I think he touches the ball way more. He's a fullback that touches it a lot already, um, especially when you look at, I mean, Teddy touches the ball a lot, but they've got the halves and stuff that get them around. I think they try and get Gutho the ball a little bit more this year. Um, and I still, he'll still average around that 73, 75 mark um, for that Eel squad if they want to be a, a 
a top six and consistent team in that top six. Where do you reckon for him? I, I kind of see him late round two, early yeah. round three in a 10-man. Yeah, I Should, that. Shouldn't, shouldn't I go out around two. I can't myself taking him there, eh? I just can't he, he's their best player, though. He, he's he Parramatta's should, like, best on-court player. He, he's the he best on-court He probably on should go player. there. He probably should go there. He just won't be coming to the Wizards, I don't think. Well, you're on, <laughs> you're on Kennedy. I reckon you're taking Kennedy pre-25. Yeah, 10th overall. <laughs> 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 just to make sure you get him, mate. Just to make sure. All right, lads, moving on. Uh, a couple of meatheads in the middle. So we've got the cheese, and then we've got the old school of Cameron McInnes, um, who is just obviously returning from uh, an ACL in Cronulla. So, Lukey, you're going to take Cam McInnes. Um, I'm going to throw to you first here, mate. Yeah, no worries. A uh, little-known fact about Cam McInnes, actually, um, that I read up today uh, that uh, sort of took me by surprise was... Um, they actually removed his front tooth and transplanted it to his ACL. So he <laughs> he did that because he just wanted to take away any doubt of it tearing again. So, yeah, just a, a tough bastard all around. So. Where did you find that stat? Um, up my ass. But, yep. yeah, it was <laughs> dot com. Of um, yeah. <laughs> no, look... A pretty tough little bugger. The, the the thing about Cam McInnes is is that you know he's a worker. His his base stats are incredible. Um, he's got cardio for days. And uh, I guess the thing that's sort of putting a doubt in people's minds about Cam McInnes this year is new club, new role. Um, so I, I think you can look at it glass half empty, glass half glass half full. Um, but the thing about a new role is is that this Cronulla side is... Look, I think that they should be aiming to challenge for the top four. I think that they've got a good enough list to do that. Whether they finish there or not is another story, but I think that's a realistic goal for them. Um, and Cam McInnes is slated to play that ball-playing lock role, which um, he should. Now, I know I'm supposed to be talking in support of... Um, these guys, and, and I will because we have rated him highly, but I, I did a bit of digging today, and I do want to point out some stats from his 2020 season where he alternated between the 9 and the 13 role. So um, he played 10 games at 9 and 8 games at 13 in that season, and I'm going to throw some stats at you that might actually just, you know, just probably muddy the waters a little bit for you. So when he was playing uh, at hooker, uh, his base was 64, um, and his average was 79. So what that tells me is is that he does have um, fair few attacking stats. At 13, base was 67, average was 72. So he got actually more attacking stats when he was at 9, but his base was obviously higher when he was at 13. Runs per game. At 13, 12 runs per game. At 9, 9.6 runs per game. That's a lot for a hooker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So there wasn't a lot there. Base power points per minute, there wasn't a lot between them. 0.81 when he was at 9, 0.87 when he was at 13. Um, But the thing that stood out mostly to me, and these are sort of like... Those other stats are sort of more analytical. This is more just face value. His top four scores when he played 13, 78, 71, 83, and 91. 
when he played 9, 114, 111, 99, and 89. He seems to be a better super coach prospect at 9 than 13. Mm. I think so too. But But also, what that kind of could tell you too is where he's put in a more creative role, he flourishes. And if they're going to use him in that role for Cronulla, even though he's going to be at lock, if they're going to use him as that playmaking role, maybe that uh, little bit of upside can come into his game. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe he is looking for someone to give him the license in that role. He's Mm. put on a bit of size as well, so that might help him. Um, I I don't know that Blake Braley plays 80 minutes. Uh, I, I still think that, you know... It might not be every game, but I, I reckon Cam McKinnis sees time at hooker throughout the season. It might be 15 minutes, you know, one week, and then three weeks later he sees 10 minutes. And, you know, just Fitzy's just going, all right, well, we're doing all right with our interchanges here. Blake's not giving us a lot tonight. I'm going to throw Cam in there and just get a, you know, an, an extra forward on there, a big a big body to bash him. You know, like, I, I still mm. think that's going to happen, which will open up the potential for those attacking stats. Yep, nice one, nice one. There is a little bit of an asterisk around Cam McInnes, so we'll wait to see what happens there. But still a pretty solid draft pick. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, the cheese. So everybody's quite high on the cheese, except for us by the look of it. We we had him uh, most of our first initial rankings of our top 30, and again, it's probably changed. Uh, I think most of us kind of had him round three in a 10-man, but uh, we we seem to be the outliers, and a lot of people have got him round two. So, Tommy, what's your take on the cheese this year, mate? So I think the big thing with the cheese the thing that he has got working for him is the fact that people panic. You know, Harry Grant this, signing with the Roosters, the retirement home, leaving Melbourne, moving up to Redcliffe. Sorry to the Dolphins, they don't play at Redcliffe. Uh, the Storm will not fall out of the top four. The Storm will not bench a player like the Cheese because he moved to the Roosters. The Storm are here to win things. I think any conversation about, I, I saw when Cheese signed with the Roosters, people saying, oh, Beliak will probably just send him down to Rezies, let him rot in Rezies. They're in the premiership business. <laughs> you don't let a guy like Brandon Smith go to Rezies. It just doesn't happen. He has inflated stats from last year. He scored 11 tries, got 10 assists, 13 line break assists. Uh, if he doesn't play that part-time hooker role, I just can't really see how it can continue. So it is a bit of a question mark, the same as McInnes, as to what's going to happen there. Um, if he moves full-time into the back row situation, I think what we can expect is that a minimum minutes might go up a bit, hit-ups might go up a bit. Uh, I didn't go as in-depth as you blokes did with the McInnes thing. That was pretty top-notch. I did. I don't have the exact stats of what he did at 9 <laughs> and what he did at 13. That is uh, sensational. But... Um, uh, I, if his minutes go up, his hit-ups go up, run meters go up, tackles should stay about the same. He's still in the middle. Um, I'm not saying that this is rose-colored glasses, but McInnes is kind of in the same situation. Like, I don't see how he plays nine full-time this year, like you were saying. He might get a shot there. I think that's the same as the cheese. Um, I don't think... I actually am of the opinion that I can't see... I can see an excuse for McInnes not playing 80. Um, and with a PPM of one, uh, if he doesn't score 80, he doesn't average 80, I think, almost. Uh, so the Sharks don't need to be carried on the back of him, I think, is another big thing. When he was at the Dragons, um, he just kind of dragged them to uh, reasonable finishes. 
uh, but the Sharks have invested invested well. Um, obviously, he's not there to be a bit part player, but I just think they have enough talent around him that he doesn't need to be the guy dragging them through games like he kind of was at the Dragons. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, but with Cheese... Question marks, question marks. But if you draft him at hooker, I wouldn't be drafting him at second row. I do like him there. I'm, I'm kind of in the same camp with you guys. For whatever reason it is, I've never been overly hot on him. Um, but I think the fact that there is people hot on him kind of makes me cold on him. I just kind of operate that way. I don't like going where the noise is because there's no value there. Um, but no, with the cheese, I, I probably do think he's a third rounder just based on... Maybe back of the second, third round. Just based on where the... Bloody, uh, I have him at 20 on my on my top 40. Just on how shallow the hookers are and how good uh, the, the Storm are going to be. Like, they're still going to be good. So, I think if, you're, if your question is, do you take Cameron or do you take Cheese? You're kind of asking, do you take a Sharkies player or a Storm player? I take the Storm player. I think these guys are going to be drafted in the same round, though. So, that's really the split. They're both in a, in a, got a pretty good duel about them. That hooker, second row. I love that duel. Helps out quite a bit yeah. um so i think what gives cheese the edge for me is the storm system i just think that they'll perform better than the sharks this year they're pretty inseparable though like if you get either of these blokes i think you'll be happier when we go back to that confidence meter i think because i've i've had cameron a couple times he does fill you with confidence cheese earns his points every week mckinnis seems to come into them if that makes sense um so yeah but i just think i, I tip cheese just based on the system what do you boys think well, he, both of them are like in the Schuster pool, aren't they? You're mm. picking them in their specialist position. You're not picking them as second rowers. You, no, you're no. picking them as hookers. Uh, um, the only way you would pick McInnes as a second rower is if your league was totally off him and he, did, I mean, and he if slipped you to the fourth up round. Harris, if the idea is to, is to reach for Torhu later and you grab Maka and you somehow have a... Another hooker, if you, if, you, if you blokes know of a hooker that I don't know about, that you can stash. <laughs> but, I mean, if he's going to cover, I think that's what I did with him. Um, there was some second roll that I was hot on back all the way in 2020. Jeez, oh, fuck, that's going back a bit now. But I had Cam in and out of second row all season. Um, yeah, well, that, that was the year he came back a little bit late, though, wasn't it? Yeah, he, I think he, did, he started round three. Yeah. 2020, yeah. So I had him in and out. But, I mean, we go back to how you said he dropped. At the start of when the off-season hits and there's no more points to come, I do a bit of a system and it goes into 60-60s, points per minute, points per game. I add that up, percent plus points per game, which if it's 60-60, 120 is good. Strength of schedule, blah, 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 blah. Just numbers, which you should never draft just based off just numbers. But once I put all my things in, McInnes was bloody third overall <laughs> like, on, on my stats and so I mean even now as I before I did my top 40 I had him in there at seven um he's just so comfortable but I just think question marks are not something that you should be trying to answer yourself in the first three rounds don't forget right so he, he was very similar to to Jack Bird last year remember he did his ACL like mm. the week or something before mm. Dead, dead, dead set. Cam McInnes was like a top seven pick before he yeah, got injured last sure. year. I, he I was going to go yeah. in the first seven picks. And people were talking about shallow hookers last year. Remember that? When haven't we yeah. been talking about shallow hookers? Maybe we should all have a look it's at ourselves. True. But um, hey, Donny, there was a time when there wasn't a hooker in a super coach competition. They were just thrown in with the front rowers. <laughs> what year was that? Jeez, that's going a bit beyond my. Well, it was 2014 at least when we Jesus. started. Tommy's yeah. still in school. 
Yeah, I would. No, I was one year out. I was on my gap year. <laughs> very good, very good. All right, we'll move on. We've only got a couple more to do here, lads. Uh, Donnie, I'm going to throw to you again, mate, because you're another. You're a stand for this bloke. Uh, I have heard it on some of your potties, and I, I must admit. I am too. Not only because I, I think he represents some great value kind of rounds, I'm going to say seven to nine, mm. but he's an ex-Paduan at uh, a school <laughs> up here in Brizzy. I'm yes, an ex-Paduan. Lukey's an ex-Paduan. So, I went to uh, school with Lindsay, actually. We're in the same Oh, school. okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice. For the, Are you for a Paduan? The, I was there for two years and then I, and then I, then I pissed off, but... um. Jeez, he was a big unit back then too. So. <laughs> I, I bet he was. Well, did, did he have his missing tooth? I kind of feel yes, like... he did. On my first I... day of uh, <laughs> high school, actually, he came up. It was a dead tooth. He, I think he had a fake one in it, and he pulled it out with his tongue, and he showed it to me. I was like, wow, this is high school, huh? This is something. This is... Yeah, wow. Well, I'm here. <laughs> he must have done his ACL as well. <laughs> I, we, I kind of feel like he was... his transfer papers? It's a dead tooth, and he had it in there, and he was able to take it in and out. I don't know what was going on. It was a pretty whack party trick, but yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Seems like a very loose unit, but mm. someone I could definitely get around. So, mate, yep. why are you high on this bloke this year? Man, I just think back to this name brand thing. He, he's not a name brand guy yet, which is ridiculous, considering... How how in and amongst greatness he's been his whole career. Like this is a guy. <laughs> Robbo gave him his grand final ring. He's he's been in and around the Roosters when they had their dominance. He's won with Queensland Origin. And just if you go down to a pub, even in Brizzy, and you say Lindsay Collins' name, people will be like, "Who's that? What's he do?" He just and comparing him to other guys like we're going to compare him to Junior Paulo. It, right now the ADPs on Supercoach are a bit out of whack, but there's something to go off, right? He's being drafted at 118. Paulo's being drafted at 91. I promise Paulo's going to move up from that. I just—he's one of those names. Front rowers yep. people always get nervous about when they when they don't have a good one, even though they're all bloody the same guy after a while. <laughs> yeah. um, and they go, "Oh, I've got Junior Paulo. I've got to draft him in the sixth round or something crazy like that." Collins averaged 59 last year. Paulo averaged 56. Collins 1.27 ppm last year. Paulo 1.05. Collins went down with an ACL, so it is a small sample size. And like as far as injuries go, it's not a great one to try and come back from. But um, I don't think I just think Collins has more upside in that Roosters squad than Paulo has in that Eel squad. And I like Para this year. I just like the Roosters more. And the fact that you can get him on a discount due to the lack of a brand name in him, I'm Lindsay all day. And I always talked about this Tigers game, uh, the one that I said doesn't matter when Luke. Kiri did well because it fitted my argument back then. But in that Tigers game last year, Lindsay Collins looked like a bloody 5'8". I think he put on two <laughs> tries and nearly went over for one himself. And one of the passes he put on was across his body going the right-hand side. Just not anything that you expect a prop to do. I mean, this guy um, got Warrior Hargraves to give him his 10 jersey. I mean, um, he's still a smoky to a degree just there's not enough people talking about him which is great you get him at a discount and I think I, I always say this front row forwards to me bar Payne Haas and maybe Pangai with the duel but straight front row forwards to me um, they're like getting a good one of them is like having the cleanest car at a demolition derby because once we start going everyone kind of looks the bloody same as far as front row goes <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to pick up pigs 
in like the it used to it's, it's funny it used to be you pick up your center wings as the last picks and because yes. that's pretty much like an anytime yep. try scorer uh my last picks of the draft this year probably going to be my two front rows if not two yep. probably you know they'll be the front rows I'll, I'll probably start filling out my bench before i fill my two front rollers i think so the fact that you, there's a lot of value in a guy like collins barring the name and you'll you'll see guys like marty Tapao, paulo Daniel Saifidi, Jacob Saifidi, uh, they'll go above Collins, and there's just no real necess- necessary reason to take someone like that over a guy like this, in my opinion. He's very he's very similar to Christian Welsh, minus mm. the concussion issues. Mm. You know, like so. He if if you're high on Welsh, go for Lindsay Collins, but take him three rounds later. Exactly. You know, three or four rounds like- later. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be a full-on supporter of one of these clubs to grab a guy like Marty Tapao early, and they get drafted, they get overdrafted every year. The, and I think um, the thing is, it's changed now. It used to make sense to have a good front rower, and guys like Marty and guys like Clem used to really matter. Um, but now it's just, there's just the the games kind of. You hear it all the time. It's a cliche, but I think the games just kind of move past. Um, guys like that as far as super coach relevancy. Just base stats in general. Just move yeah. past base stats being yeah. a, a necessity. You know, you can win games on blokes who have really high ceilings but uh, flaws and still make finals versus the bloke who chocks his team out with base stat beasts. Yep. You know, like, and wins 75% of his games. But then when it comes to finals, it's like, oh, well, they didn't, they didn't turn up. Yeah, it, it, it has gotten to the point where it's like high end before anything. So as a you've got uh, Paulo, you've got Junior Paulo. Yeah, he's a guy who I think uh, was it two years ago was the offloads leader in the competition, and a big reason why his his status is so high. Last year didn't have a bad year to start, but then really tapered off. Uh, hence the reason why his average was that kind of fifty. Mid fifties, mid fifties, yeah. So this year he's got the captaincy though. So can we expect that to influence any kind of increase in his stats? Yeah, I think it. I think it will. And I, I said this with Gutho as well. I think for the Eels to be consistent and be around that top six, um, Paul is going to be that one of those people to step up and take those, or take that responsibility on. Um, as you said, two thousand uh, and twenty. Average mid 60s um, was that offload king and um, really was really one of the premier um, front row forwards. But I tend to agree with what um, the Donny's saying that front row forwards are getting less and less um, relevant in the game. And these are probably um, people you're looking at in your last sort of four or five picks. Um, but Paulo's going to do that job for you. And, I mean, a 56 last year, he just starts so strong. So last year started 184, 64, 66. So you got two meat pies in that, but um, just a really strong starter. Um, his minutes and his average go down mid-year when he's in and around origin, but comes back stronger at the end of the year again. So um, definitely could be someone that you um, uh, pick up not too early, but someone um, that you could use as a bit of a, a trade bait after he starts uh, really well, um, and then 
sort of trade to your people that you're going to think are going to take off like your Collins and stuff like that but um, Paulo's definitely going to do a job for you and um, I, I hope the game doesn't go away from front row forwards because I love watching big boppers like Paulo just try and run through someone and um, but it's sort of le- it's getting less and less and the, those front rowers that are sort of under 105 102 kilos are the ones that are sort of taking on the game and getting more minutes and a bit more agile and it's sort of that's the way it's going He's got the offload in his kit bag, which yeah. is something that a lot of them don't have. So if he can find that again, I think that's that's going to help. The other thing too is prior to kind of recently, he's always been a big minute front rower too. Now, obviously, Papali'i coming into the mix last year uh, did kind of help things uh, a little bit in, re- in regards to Brad Arthur kind of sharing minutes. But I wonder if him leaving next year means that they put a little bit more onus on on uh, Junior Paulo and he can get back to that kind of 60 to 65 minute mark. And when he does that, like he, he you know, his points per minute are, are pretty healthy and potentially, you know, that sees a bit of a return to form for Paulo. We'll have to wait and see. All right, last one, guys. Um, and we touched on him a little bit earlier in the show, but uh, we're going to go with... Josh Schuster and Ewan Aiken, a couple of back rowers that have the dual status, which is why I kind of put them head to head. Both players with fairly hefty injury um, history now uh, that, that Schuster's done this. I think he's had three decent injuries in his first couple of seasons, and we know Aiken has a big asterisk over him. But two players who have extremely high upside. So, Luke, uh, Luke, you're going to kick us off with with you and Aitken, mate, um, as for the uh, team old school. So go for it, mate. Yeah, look, I mean, there's not much to be said about you and Aitken that hasn't already been said. We all know about the five games at the back end of last year or the six games that he played um, second row in, uh, which is a small sample size. And, and I think the thing is when a player gets put in a position like that that's out of the blue teams take a while to adjust and you know I I think he will prosper from that this year where he's put in a position where this is his last crack I mean he's he's getting on he's sort of I'd say he's peaked. I mean, he's only 26 years old, but I reckon this is probably his, what, eighth season in the comp. Um, so I think you and Aitken, this is his last chance to make a real goal of it uh, at the NRL level, and I think he will. I think he will benefit from uh, the, the playing time, not only in the middle, but on the edge. I don't want to throw stats at you because there's not a lot to throw at you from him playing on the edge, but I think... The best way to look at you and Aitken is is what have you heard out of the Warriors this offseason? You've heard Tohu Harris coming back from his injury and where he's at with that. You've heard the negativity of Reese Walsh. But you've seen you and Aitken. You've seen you and Aitken on content pages. You've seen him on Fox Sports. You've seen him, you know, on the on the Telegraph, you know, and other, you know, social media pages that that uh, focus on NRL saying that this is where he's playing. And so he's the the positive that's coming out of the Warriors this season. He's the thing that they're that's that's coming forward, going, "Hey, look, this is this is the guy." So to me, that says that he's going to be a bit of a focal point of their attack. He's a bloke that is going to get his hands on the footy a lot and and 
that's where it's going to die. So it's either going to be in a try or he's going to be, um, you know, giving up a try assist that he could have passed to a winger who was unmarked. Um, <laughs> two metres out. And, uh, yeah, but it's all positive for Supercoach. So to me, that's where I look at um, you and Aiken. And like you were saying, Donnie, about uh, you can't always draft on numbers. There's got to be the gut feel. And to me, I go, fuck, not much good's come out of the Warriors this season. But you and Aiken being front and centre and being featured says to me, oh, geez, there's a bit of job security there. And there's even more so a bit of a focal point of attack type of angle that I can see coming out of it. Yeah, very good. Very good. So you are pretty high on Josh Schuster, Tommy. Yeah. Um, I was listening to your, your chat with the uh, Super Coach 365 guys today. Um, and look, definite value there. I don't mind him, um, especially in the 5'8 position. A little bit of, in, uh, obviously, a, a bit of injury history now that he's got this yeah. syndesmosis. Does that dampen where you take him, or are you still feeling fairly confident that with three weeks, might, might miss three weeks, so might Cleary, um, does that alter where you might take Schuster? I think what's cool about Josh is he's a guy where it's like, if you get him, that's great. If someone reaches for him, it is what it is. Um, yep. So I'd, I'd like to take the opinion that I've seen him go in fourth rounds and some mocks, and I've seen him go high. I think he's got a bit of hype behind him right now. I think that if you can get him at a discount now, maybe around five or six, that's awesome. He's great. He's going to be good for you. If you can't get him, he's never been a guy that you should really be building your whole team around anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind him a bit later. I think I had him 30th overall. This injury might drop him down to 40th maybe. So if you pick him up at the, in the fourth round, I think you're doing well. So a 61 average, 47 base plus power. Averaged 3.3 tackle busts a game last year. Averaged an offload a game too, which ain't too shabby. Eight line breaks, which is interesting. Um, and he put someone through the line nine times. So <laughs> that's that type of guy that he is. He can do it himself or put someone through. 27 tackles a game, uh, which is healthy. Uh, <laughs> borderline sexy numbers, but it is healthy. Uh, yep. Runs for about 80-odd a game. That could be a bit better. But, I mean, he was kind of in and out. He was half and he was second row, but he, he's found home in second row, even though they kept him dual in 5'8". Aiken, while he's dual, I don't know if he's a dual that I'm, like, desperate for. That second row center wing is handy, but I can kind of grab that from a lot of center wings. I think Aitken, he does have value, and he might be drafted, like, just after Josh in a lot of leagues. Um, but I think in the world we live in, there's more center wings than there are 5'8". So I'd still probably rather slot a back rower into 5'8 than into center wing. Um, even though it's always been like a tail as old as time, if you can get a second rower in center wing, that's awesome. But these days, center wingers are just getting more work in. Um, and I think the other thing is, if you compare Josh to other 5'8s, kind of looks the goods whereas if you compare Aitken to other center wings he looks good but he kind of fits in you know what I mean um so that's kind of why he doesn't have value in second row like let's get that sorted like there's there's other second rowers that are out and out second rowers guys like Pangai and guys like that that are going to go in those rounds um whereas Joshi yeah if you can get him at a discount now I think there's still value there I wouldn't hit panic stations though it's not like he's done his ACL it's not like he's torn anything ridiculous um He'll come back from it. I think he'll be good. There was already a few question marks on him, so I think it will scare a few people, though, because uh, he's a guy that I think he's up that high because blokes like us will talk about him. 
Um, not, not, I don't know if the average punter's really that hot on Joshy Schuster. I think he's definitely a guy that's been fabricatedly put there. Um, so if this injury news scares off the majority of the herd, I think you've done all right if you pick him up a bit later. If there was a solid 10 5.8s in the league, would he be part of it? I think so. In Supercoach, I think so. Is you that still what you're saying, think- Supercoach? I, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Supercoach. Yeah, so obviously... I kind of feel like his draft stocks are a bit higher because the 5'8 pool is so deep. And it's all relative, so I get that. Like, it has to be that way. Yeah. Um, like but who, who, I do can't... We, who do we have in 5'8? So we got Walker, uh, Mad Dog, Kiri, Luai, maybe. Mm-hmm. And Schuster. SJ, there, maybe. Top Dill five. Brown, maybe. You know, Schuster I'm... can slot right in there as far as I'm concerned. I'm a I mean, stand, I, I think I but I'm above Luai. I'm taking Burton ahead of him. Oh, Matty. Oh, I don't know. You know, oh, I was, um, yeah, I think I, he's I was got very a top high end. On, 100%. on Flano last yeah. year. Uh, I thought he was going to go to the Dogs and do mm. some things. I didn't draft him, but I, I had high expectations for him. Laser off the boot. Uh, Gone. Make it a team please, zone. Please don't t- tell me you're just trying to compare Flanagan with Matty Burton. As Supercoach goes, remember when Flano was booting all those goals in and his average was through the roof? I'm just that was saying, through the roosters. <laughs> no. getting I'm just absolute saying. cherry meat pies from the roosters. I'm and then saying, putting them I've under the post and then before. kicking those. I've seen this movie before. Young Gun goes to make the Bulldogs his own team. It's a bit different. Oh, he's got he's a, bit, a better supporting class. I just I love I love Matty Burton too. I just last year when Matty was doing what he was doing. It felt like bo- fool's gold buying into it because it. I don't know if anyone else feels the same way, but it's the same as when Nico went on his tear. There's talent there. It just felt like it was coming to an end any minute now. Does that make sense? No, I just didn't no, think it, it was sustainable. <laughs> no, 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 it just, it just gonna... didn't feel sustainable to me. It just oh, felt a bit no, too no. good to be true. Normally he'll win a Dally M before Kennedy. Will Kennedy, <laughs> fucking hope he will. Yes, yes, he will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to give this argument a bit of perspective, and this is no no disrespect to the guest, right? But no disrespect away. Yeah, right. So um, Kyle Flanagan couldn't stay in a grand final <laughs> side with weapons everywhere, where yeah. all he had to do was tackle yeah. and make the right decision when there was right decisions. All over the place. You could pick. You could point with your eyes closed and make a right decision, and he couldn't do it. Matt Burton forced his way into a position into a grand final side that he didn't normally play because they were like, "We have to have this bloke in the side, so we're going to get him in wherever we can." He goes and plays in a, a position where he hasn't played before, and fucking's a daily M center of the year. That's the difference, I, 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 and I think that's what you can draft. Matt Burton. Where do you have Matty going? He's around four, I reckon. I, I, I don't be... hate it. Listen, I, and listen. I'm not saying Matty Burton's Cole Flanagan. I'm just saying I feel like I've seen the movie before. But what about this, right? So I'm basing my hype on Matty Burton, not for what he did at centre last year, but what he did at six for the Panthers when they yeah. had either no Cleary or Luai. So when he played six last year... His scores were 65, 108, 18, which was a game against Parramatta, which was horrible, but that's a bit of an outlier. 67, 62, 134. Now, the 108 against the Sharks, if you remember rightly, 
they were out of it. Yeah, Penrith were gone, and he yeah. comes back and scores two tries and kicks a field goal. Like he, he has that ability to just own the result and and impact the result like that. Cole Flanagan never had that, and I just feel like he's he's. Uh, Evolution as a player has got to this point at the Bulldogs where the situation that he's gone in into isn't going to affect him. He is going to affect the situation. He is going to be why the Bulldogs do well this year. Whether well means they finish eighth or or just don't get the spoon, whatever sex success they have, um, I think Burton's going to be a big part of it too. So. Yeah, All right. mate. You've convinced me. I'm going to draft him ahead of Flano this year. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew Only it. just. <laughs> These hoes ain't loyal, man. <laughs> All righty, lads. That was a pretty, uh, some pretty good arguments for some players that will be definitely, um, you know, stewed and mulled over over the next few weeks and definitely in those juicy first kind of five to six rounds of draft. So hopefully we've provided... Our listeners with a bit of fodder um, to take into their draft strategy. Mate, before we let you go, Tommy, we've got uh, just a couple of questions our fans chucked at us uh, late this afternoon for you. So hopefully we can get uh, your point of view on a few things. So earlier on this week, Lukey chucked up a bit of a stat about the peach. And I think it was David Nofaluma who came out and kind of leaked that um, he's going to be playing some big minutes in the middle at the Tigers. Uh, if that's the case, and we know he's got a lot of attacking upside, uh, what's what's what round is the peach worth going for in your eyes? Say, let's say he averages about sixty this year, and he plays about sixty minutes in the middle. Where would you be looking at him? It's a tough one. Does he keep his duel this year? Yes, he did. Yeah, I think with Peachy, the Tigers just. They just don't excite me. But, I mean, in a world, if I can look into the future and he averages 60, I'll pick him up in, like, round 6, 7 and be happy with it. In a world where I don't know what he's going to do, I don't know what the Tigers are going to do, I just don't... He's one of those guys that doesn't fill me with a whole lot of confidence. Um, I did see the post. Peachy's a weird one. He's one of those guys where you want to trade for until you have him. <laughs> like, you see him doing bits on someone else's team. And then you have him, you're like, oh, yeah, he's my guy. I don't know. I've never been too hot on him. Um, yeah, I think 6-7 for Peach, if you if you can. Nah, that still might be a bit high. I think after round 10, if you can pick him up, it's good. Kind of like what I was saying with Josh. If you can pick up Peachy, that's awesome. If he goes to someone else, I mean, it just kind of is what it is, you know? Yeah, nice one. So that was K-Rudd on Instagram. Another one on Insta, uh, Jake Hodgetts. Am I crazy for considering Pappy at second pick? So he's obviously got second pick in his league. He knows that already. Been listening Pappy to our mock draft second a few months pick. ago, huh? Yeah, possibly, where we, possibly. Where, where Big Wilfred took him second overall. Uh, yeah, you, you're probably not crazy. Probably clinically insane. Um, <laughs> I, I, can, listen, I love Pappy. He's number three. Like It just is what it is. It depends on how your league's set up, obviously. It depends if you're playing captains, blah, blah, blah. It depends on a lot of things. Even when you add all those things in, I think I still take Cleary second. If it comes out saying that Cleary is... The shoulder has been ripped off and the shoulder itself has COVID now, then I guess we'll talk about it. (laughs) Jesus, there's a few things going on. I had a guy uh, ask me yesterday, how do you think the Panthers will do without Nathan Cleary this year? I saw that. (laughs) He is still playing this year. He just (laughs) missed three rounds, apparently. So I think... yeah. 
I can see it though. I know what you're thinking. Five tries, 11 minutes. Four tries, 11 minutes. Sexy Pappy playing for the Storm, kicking goals. Guess what? Cleary's kicking goals for the Penrith Panthers. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think Cleary's got just as much upside, but more stability. I take Cleary at two. Um, if you're, th- but if hey, if you're thinking about uh, taking Pappy at two, I would not tell a soul that you're feeling that way and try and shift the second overall pick to someone if you're in a league that trades draft picks. Yeah, yeah. that's not a. That's, That's not a horrible option. strategy. I yeah. got, I got the other... in my league. He he tells me he does. This bloke has bloody got the first in the first three rounds of the last three years. Absolutely stuffed it every time. Back in 2020, he took Jason Tamalolo first overall. Mm. Um, and I took fucking Damien Cook pick number three last year. <laughs> <laughs> I could have had Tommy. I could have had Munster. Oh, how many of us Cook. could have had Tommy? Tommy could yeah. you could have had him in pick pick 15, 16. But um, I think. And, it's, and this guy tells he, the news breaks about Cleary and because he's a wild card I message him I say do not tell he's second overall I said do not tell me you are gonna whiff on Cleary because I traded away the first down to the third then I traded the third so the guy who's got the third in our in our draft also has the fourth so that 3-4 becomes ridiculously dangerous if Cleary drops to number three because right now if he takes a fullback you're not going to take two fullbacks, right? So I'm on my hands and knees begging this guy to take uh, Cleary. But my advice to him was, if you're not going to take him, trade that pick, bro. Because he is the second round pick and someone's going to pay for him. Yeah, and I, I, I picked for you in that mock draft we did and I just went, Cleary into Teddy. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Cleary, Teddy's ridiculous. That's 1-2 yeah. last year. Like, that's just 100%. mental. I just Look, think I've... that 1-3 to three is picked. Like... Yeah. The, and and the thing is, what you Ooh, get like three? a oh well, whether it's it's Teddy or like I think Tommy Cleary Teddy is your top three. Mm. Uh, if you took any of them in either position, like I know Tommy's sort of a clear cut one, but if you decided, I think Tommy's going to really regress this year. But Teddy in a better side might average over a hundred, you, you know, well over hundred. Okay, that's great, whatever. But when you're looking at the top three fullbacks, you go. And you can throw Latrell in there, but I think Pappy does have the higher upside. You go, everyone apart from Pappy has tackle-busting ability, Mm. which means they're not scared of contact, which means that their involvement's in those tough times. Like, I just... That's what I like about the other three fullbacks over over Pappy. Pappy is all polish. He's all polish. There's no dirtiness to him. Like... When was the last time Pappy had a run that didn't result in a try that got him 20 points? Like, yeah. Tedesco can do that. He can go tackle, bust, tackle, bust, tackle, bust, tackle, bust, offload, line break assist. You, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. you, you know, like, because he's just that rugged. Tommy's the same. Latrell's got that about him as well. Pappy doesn't, and you just go, but that's Pappy's why I got him. Pappy's got the goal kicking. And Matt, that that's like 16 to 20 points a game, potentially. Well, I actually, you know, I, I responded to someone the other day on Twitter about it. It was worth, I think it ended up being worth 13 and a half per game to him last year, the goal kicking. Because someone said, does it matter if Pappy has the goal kicking or not? And I'm like, yeah, to the tune of 13 and a half points, which is mm. massive. Mm. But are Melbourne going to be that side this year? They might still be in the top eight and the top four. I, I just... They won't I just be as can't. Many tries this year. They're not going to do up south. Like no, 50. They're, they're, I, I, 
Yeah, hundred percent. What they scored like hundred and fifty tries last year. That is that's fantasy league. Yeah, and I just think that I like someone, and this is me. This is a personal thing. I like someone who can generate their own attack. If I'm picking them first round, you know, someone who can just go, "Yep, I'm going to turn this into a thirty-point play." You know, and I like Pappy. I think has to be in that. You know, his pace is amazing, but only when he's in the gap. To start with, you know what yeah. I mean. Yep, he's goal kicking, but they have to be scoring tries. So yeah, that's me. But yeah. So the Royals. Fro- oh, I'm oh, assuming this is from your. Oh Jesus <laughs> Christ! Is Lomax worth the punt in the third? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this idiot! All right, this is a guy from my my draft league. I traded him. I worked myself into three uh, third-round picks last year and traded it to him for uh, a pick in the first. I think first overall. I think he got a second as well. And um, I interviewed him before the game, before the draft, and he goes, I'm not worried, mate. Three picks in the third round. I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. I'm making the final. Gets to his first pick in the third round. We get to minute one and 59 seconds with two minutes on the clock. It's the first one of his picks he's got to execute, and he blurts out Zach Lomax out of nowhere. Um, no, he's not worth a punt in the third round, you idiot. <laughs> got taken in our second round last year. Oh, I just can't see it. I mean, I like Zach, though. I spoke about Zach yesterday. Um, I think he's. I think we are saying that his uh, average draft position is up at 78. Ridiculous value there. Um, ridiculous value there. He'll kick. Everyone, uh, yeah. He'll kick. That's great. Um, and he was elite the last few years. I think he finished uh, the last five games after he came back from injury. He had a 70-something average, 71 average, I think I put up today. Um, he's great. A punt in the third round. It is a punt. I'll be taking Stags first. Yeah, well, we are high on Stags. Oh, I, I, yeah. I do I do like Lomax. I, the, the thing about this, and I was going to touch on the, the taking Pappy at second, right? So th- this applies to both taking Pappy at number two and and if you if you wanted to take Lomax in the third they're not going to fuck your team up if you do it those kind of picks aren't going to fuck your team you can recover from it and they're going to score like like Pappy you take Pappy at number two and someone goes oh fuck I got Cleary and it's like yeah but the difference between Pappy and Cleary I mean I think they're going to average within 10 of each other this year, potentially. That's the potential. So I mean, the big thing is it's you not never know be... on draft day. I remember last year, I was just telling you boys about this bloke that drove all the way from Roma. He was first overall, I was second overall. Everyone last year, it goes Teddy Cleary, right? Um, and he takes Cleary first overall. Room explodes, laughing in his face. Well, it kind of turned out all right for him. Um, yeah, 100%. Until you get going. So you got to trust your gut. I and think look, the issue with that is, though, D-Lane, is, is about the halfback pool and, and the depth of that versus the fullback pool. So, like, I don't want to bog people down, but, I, like, I was just thinking about it while you are talking, and you go, if you took Pappy at number two, right, who's the next halfback that's going to... Let's say you're in a 10-man league. Who's the next halfback that's going to be available to you versus... Hunt. Okay, probably Benny Hunt, Luke Keary, right? Maybe Sexton. Or, um, <laughs> sorry, did someone say something? Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Versus, okay, so now compare them to if you take Cleary to your next Ponga. fullbacks Ponga, Gutho, Kennedy. Kennedy. 
So I would rather, that, so for me, that's my thinking. I'm like, okay, yep, that's right, you're right. Between between Pappy and Cleary is not going to be that much of a difference, but it's it's where it's going to position your next pick, I think, is is what you got to look at. Oh, 100%. And what I'm, I'm not saying go balls deep on these picks, but I'm saying if on draft day you have a moment or you just go, nah, I'm really high, I want to do it, and then you go, oh, fuck that up. Nah, you haven't fucked it up. There is better options and there's a better way to draft, but it's not like, you know, uh, Cleary and Kennedy versus Pappy and Ben Hunt. Yes, you'd probably take Cleary and Kennedy as that combination, but Pappy and Ben Hunt is, is not a bad bad option either. You know what I mean? All I'm trying to say is if you if you want to reach and you do believe, make sure you have your contingencies in place for later rounds. Um, and it's not going to fuck your team up, but you do have to pre- be prepared that, yeah, like things might get a bit thin for you a bit later on in the draft. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's like, don't, if you own picks one, two or three, don't fuck it up. Don't try to be cute with it. It's, te- <laughs> it, it's fucking Turbo Teddy or Cleary. And, and and then what you should be doing is, if you know your draft order now and you own those, one of those top three picks, you should start planning for who you're going to take in the first round and then who you're going to take in the second round because it's the when you start when you go fucking you know you you land at pick three it's gone turbo teddy someone's gone they're going to flick um kiri and you go i'm going to get cute with it and go i'm going to fucking take you know and then all of a sudden you're like okay now what do i do now what do i do because your draft strategy is is all ski with don't get fucking cute with it if you own the top three draft picks it's Teddy, Cleary, Turbo. And even if one of them don't pan out, the thing is you've stuck to a, a, a strategy in your draft, you know, and you've planned around it and you've just, you, you know, there's nothing worse than on draft day where the bloke that you thought was going to land to you doesn't and you've got to take someone in a totally different position and then it just goes, whole fuck, and you're six beers deep trying to actually, you know, work out a strategy from that point on. It just doesn't work. Can I just say a quick one? I know we're rattling on here, but just a quick one for punters. Um, I see this every year. Uh, Just how you're saying don't be cute with it, because some people will be. When you're writing your list, do not under any circumstances not write down blokes because you don't think they'll drop to you. The amount of times I've seen silly picks go down and then there's this guy dropping and dropping and dropping and it's because people have already walked into the draft day with this assumption that they're not going to get that guy. So just... (laughs) When you're writing your list, write down every name, please, for goodness sake. So one year, so we used to get a bus to Byron every, uh, like the, our draft day was, we'd get a two-hour bus. The, the person who came, who got the cunt Longer. bowl, which is the last place, uh, the year before had to drive the bus. So he didn't get to get on the tins. He had to drive us down, right? <laughs> I like that. So I like that. We, we drove down, right? And um, one year, we got so toasted that Teddy went Pick 14. <laughs> he should have gone. He, he should have gone top. Driving the bus. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, mate. We were just Refer all. to that toasted comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Melted even. Melted yeah, even. Like get, just. Get and everyone's just going, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and Is that the year we banged yeah. on the windows coming in? Oh, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. Tackle with wild dogs. Wild fucking dogs. Wild dogs. Yeah. Wild dogs. Yeah. I'm going to assume this is one of your other mates, Jordan Watson. Oh, Jesus. What jersey, at, what jersey are you wearing to Magic Round? It better not be your <laughs> Cowboys jersey. 
if you, no, you just you've got to. If they're last, they're last, oh, mate. You've just got to no, sack up and you know what it that's is. what it's you all know about. What it is. Um, I'm a South transplant. My old man's diehard South. This bloke, yeah, uh, Jordan. I've never seen a more tragic Titans fan in my life. In my life, I've never seen anyone that will live and die by the Tigers. It, it makes his skin crawl, the idea that I'll barrack for South because they're my old man's team, to the point where he says that I should not even consider myself a Cowboys fan anymore. <laughs> so that's what, that's his angle on that. These, these, these boys are good. They find me, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they certainly have. They certainly have. Well, we've we've absolutely dribbled on tonight, but it's been a, a good chat. Um, bit as I said, a bit different tonight that we uh, didn't focus on positions, but we got some good info out about uh, where we stand on a few players and where they're going to get drafted. Tommy, thanks heaps for jumping on, brother. No, you've had me on a couple of times. Well, you've had to be on a couple of times, mate, so I, I definitely needed to return the favour, and it was long overdue. So we should do it again sometime uh, later on in the season when things are unfolding a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah, mate, pleasure having you on, buddy. When Flano is the uh, leading Dalian uh, <laughs> no. next to Will Kennedy. And no. <laughs> that's, that's the day I switch off the telly. Uh, mate, I, I'm, not, I'm, not on that, I'm not on that hill with you. You had me at Will Kennedy. You lost me. At, uh, at Flanagan for sure but uh, uh, as a Lukey thanks for jumping on um, and yeah we'll do it again ne- next week see you lads catch you boys cheers thanks Tommy <laughs>